When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings. You are now listening to the greatest show on the res. You are listening to the Carl and J-Man Saves the World podcast. I am your co-host, the five-star, five-diamond chef. And with me is my co-host, the prince of no air, Carl. (laughs) Ten. Hey, hey, y'all. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I came to the conclusion that uh, we're, we're, we are doing well. We are doing well with our podcast here. How do you, how do you feel about it? Did 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 this uh how good we're doing by episode 3 has that surpassed your expectations? I, met your expectations? It actually did. It actually uh, met actually met my expectations. And that's that's a great thing, and right? And that's a great thing because I was hoping that we would hit at least 100 people to listen to this thing and it actually surpassed my it's expectations. Gr- it's greatly surpassed it that. greatly surpassed that. And it's, that. it's continuing to and grow. And it's all thanks to you listeners out there. And we can't thank you enough. We yep. cannot we thank cannot you enough thank for you enough. sharing our podcast, sharing it on your Facebooks, on your Instagram stories. Uh, every time I see somebody share information about our podcast, it just lights my heart up. And, you know, our obviously our uh, wishes is to grow the audience. And so for those of you that are listening in maybe for the first time or that you don't know, uh, we do have a Facebook page. Yeah, we do have a Facebook page. And then uh, we also have Twitter. Yeah, I forgot about Twitter. So you can find us on Facebook at Carl and J-Man. And you can also find us on Twitter at Carl and J-Man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our first topic here. So the last two episodes uh, to start um, our podcast, we are talking about uh, growing up reds. Because I think that, um, at least uh, between you and I, one of the things that we never really shared with the listeners, um, aside from being, I guess, best buds since uh, kindergarten, is that uh, we have uh, three real strong commonalities. Uh, One, we both grew up on the res. Mm Mm-hmm. And two, uh, we're both uh, full-blooded Hopi. Yep. And so, you know, basically all of the uh, teachings and understandings that we developed as youngsters were primarily Hopi. Yep. And then third, uh, both you and I are, were fortunate enough as children to have been taught the Hopi language. Yep. And so we're both um, at least uh, understanding and can comprehend and conversate, at least to an extent. You know, I, I don't think I ever truly... Um, would declare myself a fluent speaker. Well, you know, I'm so hopey that mosquitoes bite me. They get, they already automatically register as um, CBI, <laughs> they, CBI Indians. They, they at least you know, they, qualify they, for at least yeah, one quarter yeah, of the, they the get minimal ac- qualification. They get access and they, uh, you know, get free food at the, uh, the, the drive, uh, the, what is, what does he call it? The, uh, um, community centers. Oh, I thought you were talking about the herd museum. <laughs> <laughs> they get in for free. They get in for free. The mosquitoes do. <laughs> 
And the flies probably do too. I imagine that there's probably a lot of flies hanging around you. We call them hoppy flies, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, also another commonality that we have is that, you know, we both have experience living in the urban areas. Oh, man. And um, I, I think that at least in terms of this podcast, we wanted to at least acknowledge, you know, all of the natives out there that are living in the urban areas and that grew up urban, yeah, I guess with kind of this uh, unique uh, situation where you're growing up native in America, yeah, but then you're not on the res, you're you're living this urban lifestyle, and so that's what this episode is dated, dedicated to, and to the urban people that live out there. So the urban people that live out there, our friends, our relatives, and I guess our past selves, yeah. When we were urban to ourselves. To the weekend Hopis that come out and <laughs> pretend that they're better than us. T- taking pictures every <laughs> to, 30 minutes and, and posting Hopi it on selfies. We're, we're back in the motherland. <laughs> we're, we're, back, we're back home. So good to get away. And of course, we say this with love and respect. <laughs> nope, screw you guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but and so I guess, you know, to take it back from the beginning as, you know, these dirty little res kids growing up. Um, what were some of your first interpretations of the urban areas? Well, I guess obviously we didn't call it urban. We just called we, it we, we called it town. We called it town. We called it, you know, let's go to let's go to Flag. Let's go to go to Phoenix. Phoenix. And so as youngsters, uh, some of the main reasons why families went to town, whether that was Flagstaff or Winslow, yeah. maybe even Holbrook. Or even Tuba City. Oh, uh, even Tuba City. For for you, uh, Hotvelis yeah. and, and Bakavis, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of you, that, that was your choice of destination because of the proximity. But um, a, a no, lot of we, the... we just wanted to avoid you guys. <laughs> just wanted to avoid Munkups out there. <laughs> you wanted to avoid Munkups by driving in the direction <laughs> of Munkups? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and so I guess a lot of the reasons why you would go out to those areas um, is because, you know, we talked about it to where, you know, there's actual no... Uh, real uh grocery store out here on the reservation no 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 grocery store no um other types of businesses that where you know if you needed certain things that you know it wasn't available in in out here in the villages so you had to go out to flagstaff or wherever else that was but i think that one of the universal places uh the biggest city i guess for most arizona natives is phoenix oh yeah and so, like, for Phoenix, I remember as a kid, uh, both my older sisters lived in Phoenix. And so we'd often go down there to Phoenix to, to go visit them. And I remember as a kid, it was a big treat to go down yeah. to Phoenix. Yeah. We used to get excited because we were going down to Phoenix. And I think the number one reason why we used to get excited was because we could go swimming. Yeah. We could go swimming. And then some of the other exciting things about going to Phoenix was you get to go to uh, the stores yeah. to potentially buy toys see us us hopi kids we don't have pools out here or it doesn't rain out here as much so we get very very excited when it rains you know we we're in we're in that puddle till it gets so brown that it's not even considered water anymore (laughs) (laughs) and and that's very true and you know i think for hopi kids you know i i think that that's kind of one of the most um I, I guess uh, things that you look forward to when you have the ability to, to do so is to go swim. Yeah. And so it was only, uh, I guess you're only really able to do that if you went to Phoenix. And I think a place like Flagstaff, like it wasn't far away enough. No. 
to constitute to spend the night. Just, yeah. It was always just a day trip. Yeah. And so if you went to Flagstaff or even if you are one of those families that went to Winslow, it was just a place that you went to for one day. You got your shopping out of the way, whatever other errands that you had to do, your quick beer run. And then, you know, <laughs> you're, you're back home uh, on the very same day. But if you went to Phoenix and then I think the other probably the other big city that's probably, I guess, the second, you know, uh, place that's visited by Hopis is Albuquerque uh-huh. down in New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, us Hopis, you know, we love uh, our, our dances and our ceremonies so yep. much that we can't just uh, we're, we're not satisfied with just ours. No. We have to go to the Pueblos out in New Mexico <laughs> for their feasts. Yeah. And their dances. And so Albuquerque was always a place that we stopped at. Mine was uh, going to Zuni. Zuni. Zuni is like my place there. I, I've, you know what? I've never been to Zuni. You've never been to Zuni? And I was invited once uh-huh. for their Shalako dance, yeah. but I unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to make it, so uh-huh. I was really disappointed. It's really nice. It looks exactly like the Hopis, uh-huh. but uh-huh. they have a nicer gas station there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been to the village before, but I've just, I guess I just never have gone for, for any type of dance or, or religious yeah. activity. Yeah. The places that we used to go every year was uh, Santa Domingo. We'd always go to Santa Domingo or Hamas. And, um, you know, they had their their big feasts. And I think one of the biggest differences between the New Mexico uh, Pueblos, uh, their ceremonies and Hopis is that they'd have this huge flea market. Yeah. And then they'd have the big um, carnival. Yeah. I was so envious that, you know, you could go to a dance out there in New Mexico <laughs> then, and, you know, not only get your, your cultural fix, you know, get to hear the songs, you get, get to, to ride see the, the dancing. You got to ride the Ferris you, wheel. You got to ride the, the Ferris wheel <laughs> with their version of Tsukas, yeah. with their clowns. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was always such a unique thing that yeah. they had. And, you know, I but I think growing up as a kid, I understood enough about our own culture as to why we never had those. things. Yeah. But I think that there's probably two villages out here that have tried to at least, you know, kind of mimic what, what they do out here. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, as children, that's kind of our interpretation of, of the big city, urban life of, of town. And, you know, there's just so much more out there for you to uh, at least out in our minds at yeah. that time. And, it, and you know, going to town or town or, or city, um, it was just mainly for supplies. Mm-hmm. That's it. There Mostly was, for supplies. Yeah, it was just mainly for supplies. You know, Seoul wanted to get beans and uh, that was beans and sequi. It's pretty much it. So nothing more. And, uh, you know, if you if you had enough money, then uh, we could stay the night. Hit and, up the casino. Yeah, hit up the casino down in uh, Camp Verde. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I think at least with the casinos, I think at least most of my peers, I, I, I don't think gambling was as big in my immediate family. Yeah. So I never really experienced it too much. But I had a lot of friends that would talk about, um, and this was, you know, when we were youngsters, when we were young. And so yeah. This was before that they started putting the arcades in the casinos. Oh, yeah. This was before they started making these casinos family friendly. So yeah. I, I, my friends would share stories of how they had to sit in the car for three <laughs> hours. You're not, you're not native until your soul or your mom or dad leave you in the car while they go gamble. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's funny because it's funny because a lot of people have experienced that <laughs> yep. and, and that's such a funny thing but i guess um i one of the facts that i learned recently is that you know you think about indian country yeah all 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 the native tribes everybody encompassed together not just hopi but um they're saying that the the data is saying that more now than 50 percent of us native people are living in the urban areas oh yeah 
Yeah. And, and so what are some of the reasons why you move off the reservation to go to those urban areas? We just don't like the dirt anymore. We're tired of cleaning our white <laughs> shoes out crying. here. You I can't wanna, buy white Air Force ones actually, on the reservation. I want to actually ride a bicycle without me, <laughs> without me getting stuck every five minutes. <laughs> but I guess the real reasons, or the real reasons uh, for moving to the big areas for for native folks, you know, especially Hopis, is um, educational opportunities, yeah, um, work opportunities. Um, maybe it's just an opportunity of finding a place to live because you know, out here on the reservation, as much as you know, we love our lands and uh, we cherish, you know, what we have here. Just you know, for for reasons beyond anybody's control, it's really hard to find a place to live around. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very, very hard to find a place out here. There's, even though we live in one of the most wide open spaces, a lot out of here, land, a lot, a lot of, land. of land. You you open a you open your door. There's like acres and acres of free land out there. Or well, I could say, you know, not free land. I could <laughs> say, like vast open land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you don't want to build on it. And then I, I think that, you know, for that's probably a, a huge reason why people move away because, you know, it's easier to find an apartment oh, yeah. in Flagstaff, Phoenix, Albuquerque um, than it is to find a place out here. And so in our last episode, we talked about we talked about those multi-generational homes. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why that dynamic exists is because that, you know, you go off um, you either you go. Uh, to the urban areas and you work or you obtain an education and then when it's time for you to move back home there's no place for you to live so you either end up having to move back in with your parents or or some relative and then you know that's how those those homes are created yeah but those are i guess some of the reasons uh big reasons as to why people move away from home but um from from your experience, how how old were you when you uh, left Seoul and Gua and you know packed your bag and and decided to to move off the reservation? Well, I was I was um, I think I was sixteen. Sixteen, really? Yeah, right when we graduated. That's because we gra- we graduated, and I was sixteen when we graduated. You from, graduated when you were sixteen. Yeah, actually, I was supposed to graduate um, a year earlier, and the reason why because I, I overcredited. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so they gave me that option to either walk with my class or get my early diploma. No kidding. Yeah. I, I got, call, yeah, I got called into the, into the, uh, uh, counselor's office mm-hmm. and they said that, Hey, you know, we, you overcredited here. So your senior year, you don't have to do anything. Okay. Um, but if you want to come back to school, we can find something for you to do, or you can retake the classes or you can take college credits. Oh, awesome. And I was like, screw the college credit. <laughs> Let me just walk around the school. So they they gave they issued me the um, the hall pass, the permanent hall pass. Okay. Yeah. So I for my senior year, I was just walking around the school, finding change and uh, trying to peek into the girls' locker room. So despite all that walking, you never got in shape. <laughs> hey, I'm pH fat. <laughs> but and no, it was like when I was 16. That's when I graduated. That's, okay. Yeah. So at 17, because we graduated. Um, during the year of when I was going to be turning 17. So I was okay. still 16. So, so you're a real life uh, Hopi Sheldon Cooper then. Yeah, pretty reference much. To the Big Bang Theory show. <laughs> pretty so, much. So, so I, I guess, um, and I, I guess, I guess that's another thing that we have in common is that we both moved away at, I, I guess, kind of a young age. Yeah. I graduated high school when I was 17. Yeah. And so when I left um, high school, my, uh, 
my, my dad pretty much chose for me that I was going to go to school in Albuquerque over at uh, Southwestern Indian Polytechnic Institute. Yeah. And a big reason for that was because I got recruited by their cross-country team to run cross-country. And the tuition was, was fairly, fairly cheap. And so I went there. And I, I guess the funny thing was was that when I first moved out there is that you were, you had to be 18 yeah. to live in the dorms, yeah. but I was only 17. And so thank God for, for my coach, a big shout out to Mike Daney, um, who apparently moved mountains to get me into that dorm because I was only 17 yeah. moving into the dorm for the first time. But the funny thing about... Um, I guess the funny thing about the school that I went to, I guess there's a number of funny things about the school that I went to, but um, a lot of Native people know about that school, uh, Sippy, because it's a Native college, yeah. it's a tribal college, and um, I, I guess the the stereotype about the school is that it's a party school, <laughs> and I can tell you that that reputation is valid. Yeah. And uh, because when you went when I first went to school at Sippy in Albuquerque, one of the things that you learn early, especially living in the dorms, is that they have like a zero tolerance policy for alcohol. Really? And so when the semester started that at the dorms, the parking lot would be filled with vehicles because <laughs> of all the students that are going to school at yeah. Sippy. And because of their zero tolerance policy for alcohol, because Sippy being a party school, by midway through the semester, all of those cars are gone because everybody <laughs> got kicked out of the dorms for getting caught drinking. Well, Hopi has a zero tolerance policy. Uh, for alcohol around here too, but we never follow the rules like that too. So we that, must, that never stopped so anybody Hopi from getting drunk. So Hopi is the the number one party school nation here. On <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so what are some of your, I guess, uh, first impressions when you moved to the urban areas at a, such a young age? What, what was the dynamic like? Where did so you live? Remember last time I was telling you that um, when I was uh, recruited to go to this technical school, they mm -hmm. said that forty thousand mm -hmm. dollars and you're 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 in. And uh, you get a free laptop. And I was like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So the that next next night we moved into our apartment, and okay. there were four guys of us. Four, four you, of us. You had uh, three other roommates. I had three other roommates, and which was weird because when I moved in, we never met each other. Uh huh. And I didn't know who I was going to be moving. Were you in the with. only native? And I was no, I was the. There were two natives. Okay, two natives. So one was Navajo and one was Hopi. And there was a black guy, and then there was this um, hardcore Christian guy. Oh, nice! Yeah, so a we white were, guy, a white guy. And so we were, so we were, uh, and it was weird because we we never met each other, we never knew each other's names. Nobody told us who we're going to be moving in with. And so um, that night we had a, a dinner, and the black guy made um, made macaroni and cheese. And I, I almost, <laughs> I, I caught myself. I almost said a racist comment. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah but anyway uh but anyway you know he we made black he black mac <laughs> oh, he God. made okay. macaroni all right. and cheese uh, all right macaroni and thank, cheese thank you all thank you all for listening this <laughs> well, is we appreciate your support for your the three Listen episodes to us that podcast. we got out. all right <laughs> expect a call from uh, jesse jackson pretty soon <laughs> Well, anyway, I we had that macaroni and cheese, and it was nice. And um, you know, we um, we sat down and we actually told ourselves or told about ourselves and okay. stuff like that, and what we were going to school for. And and so I never knew, uh, I never talked to a black guy before. Okay, yeah, and it was weird because when we while we were in high school, there was hardly any hardly black, any hardly, hardly any, any hardly black. So it was like. 
when I when I met with this black, I was like in cultural shock. I was like, "Can I touch your hair?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Can I touch your hair?" I, can I touch yours? I'll let you touch mine. Is that what you said? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was weird because it was like that was the first thing that came out of my and I wasn't I was thinking it, but it's like Carly, you better not say. Don't you, talk, you said don't it without talk. control. It's right? like you know, don't talk, don't talk about his hair. Don't talk about his hair. Don't talk. And I'm like. This is very nice. Can I touch your hair? I'm like, I mean, uh, this is very nice macaroni. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny. You know, I, I, it's funny because, you know, you're right. Because when you're growing up on the res, that there's very little diversity out here. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're surrounded for out here, at least on Hopi, nothing but Hopis. The only other color that you see is white. Yeah. And usually those are the folks that work either, you know, within healthcare or within our education system um, or some of, you know, the, the folks that work yeah. within the, the Christian system, yeah. I, you know, how, however that works, the Christian churches. Um, and then I think that, you know, you scattered out, you know, maybe you'll see some Mexicans or some African Americans or even here, you know, maybe some uh, s- some folks of the Asian descent. Yeah. But they're very few and far in between. Yeah. And so, you know, like in your experience, you know, you're going out to the big city for the first time because for me, I went to, to the tribal college. Yeah. And so there I was surrounded by, by natives just yeah. like I, I'm always used to. The only difference is that instead of being around Hopis and Navajos, I was around Pueblos yeah. and Navajos. And so I guess regardless of where you go, you're going to be surrounded by Navajos. Yeah, exactly. And see, because that Navajo guy that was with us, I already knew who he was because okay. he went to Gray Hills. Okay. And so we became good friends because I never talked to him, but we became good friends by then. And the black guy, the back black guy left because he didn't, you know. Because he asked to touch his I, hair. I asked to touch his hair too many times. <laughs> But no, it was it was a big culture shock. It was a big culture shock for me to, and the, the when I was going to classes, uh, you know, you encounter people that never even heard of Native Americans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was it was weird because I got called um, like you know uh, what was it? Did uh, they come up with nicknames? They for came you? up with nicknames for they me. Called like, you chief? They called me no. They called me like uh, running bear or like. You Did know, they really? Yeah, they called me uh, dances with wolves. <laughs> Is like stands with fists. <laughs> how, how did you feel about that? I what felt, was your reaction? I felt proud. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, they they recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> they they give me they, respect. They give me respect. My own people they, never call me. They any didn't of even these call me. Names. They didn't say Kevin Cosner. They said <laughs> dances with wolves. <laughs> That's so funny. I you know I I think that you know your experience is probably very similar to a lot of us yeah. because I guess in a way I kind of uh I guess dip my toes in yeah. before um, jumping in all the way, kind of getting situated with the tribal colleges first. Um, but for me, I think that when I finally made that uh, move from Albuquerque to Phoenix uh, and then started going to school at a Mesa Community College and then actually getting a job and working with a lot of uh, non-natives, yeah. that's kind of when I kind of experienced similar to what you experienced with working with uh, folks that you're not accustomed to being around. But I think that also, you know, I guess in regards to Phoenix, um, 
there's you know a lot of a lot of white people, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Mexicans, yeah. a, a lot of Latins, people of Latin yeah. descent, and you come across you know some some African Americans um, here and there, but I guess it's not necessarily as uh, they're they're not a large population like places that I've been to through previous jobs like Washington D.C. or no. New York, and so Phoenix is still fairly you know kind of mostly just white and brown, yeah, um, and so that you know I, I guess similar to you when I started working and started uh, going to school at Mesa Community Colleges like that you you come across a lot of stereotypes oh, yeah. and then you know some of these questions that you're asked are questions that you have never been asked before as a child mm-hmm. only being on res and so some of those common questions you know do you guys still live in teepees <laughs> how come your hair is not long yeah at least for me yeah um do you guys still ride around in horses See, it, yeah that's where that's where that got me it's like this one guy, I, I remember his name. His name is Andrew. Okay. And he's a white Bahana guy. He never encountered any Native American. He studied us in, in history class. Okay. And it was just a brief time. He's, and then when he saw that there were Native Americans that were going to class, and I have I have naturally long hair. I have not long hair there. And so they're not implants. Then. They're not it's implants. Natural. I stand on the edge every now and then of the mesa and let that wind <laughs> blow right through. So you could truly feel like so Dances I, with exactly the Wolves wind in his hair. Not Kevin Cosner's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he he came up to me and he was in my same class. Okay. And we were in typography class. And he said he's we're waiting outside because um, they had to open up the door and he would he just generally asked. He just said, hey um, do you guys still live in teepees? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like I think that's the wrong native you're thinking. Of. <laughs> He's like, I thought all natives lived in teepees. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, kind of. But no, we live on a, you know we live on a mesa. We live in pueblos. Uh-huh. We live in regular houses just like you, and we pay rent. <laughs> we have Xboxes. We have Xboxes. Just we have like TVs. You. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I guess for me, it's funny because, um, and you know, I we, we're, we're not going to talk too much about our educational experiences no. just yet. We're going to save that. Um, but I guess just as as it uh, pertains to this conversation, that um, I would take classes at some of the um, schools that I went to, and um, a lot of them were like like Native American studies or American Indian studies. Yeah. And sometimes I would find myself in there, uh, maybe one of four students maybe yeah the rest of the class was predominantly non-native and so um when they would talk about uh native subjects topics related to native cultures everyone always looks at you yeah and they think that you have all the answers for all of these questions (laughs) and you know i think that that's just kind of an unfortunate um i i guess uh a practice that we do as people i think it's it's a people thing it's not necessarily yeah. just a native or non-native thing but we tend to generalize each other mm-hmm. and we throw you know everybody in the same pot yeah. oh you nate or you're native all you natives are the same yeah. all you guys live in teepees all yeah. you guys uh ride horses yeah um all of you guys you wear buckskin and you know you guys have these rain dances <laughs> and you know that, that that's basically what your culture is you know but then you know to come from a, a, a traditional community 
community. Yeah. And I like Hopi, we've, we've, we've managed to keep a lot of our culture and a lot of our traditional religion. Uh, both you and I can comprehend the language. And then you take that to a place where, you know, somebody might think that like that, like they think you're a Plains Indian. Yeah. Or, or for some of these other folks that might be a little bit more knowledgeable about tribes and they know that there's differences that each tribe has its own name but even then they're confusing you you know they think that we're all navajo yeah exactly or the fact that you're in phoenix they think that we're all pima we're we're all all mexicans or that we're all mexicans yeah we're all mexicans and so i think that that's kind of um i guess in a way where um i guess your identity maybe it's not necessarily challenged but i guess in a way it takes a hit yeah, because then you know, out here on Hopi, you know, it's a fairly small community. You never have to really, I guess, um, I, I guess, show that you're Hopi. No, but when you go to the city, then you're tra- constantly telling people, you that know, no, I'm Hopi. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Hopi, and I, I think that one of the funny things that living urban. That that really does to you is that you're constantly trying to keep your head above the waters and you know tell the and, world that you're hoping. Yeah. So the the guy Andrew, he um, I had to explain to him like what a Hopi native is, and it was weird for him because he never heard of Hopi natives. And oh, he's really? Like, yeah. He's like, I never heard of Hopi natives around here, and he's like, Yeah. He's like, I heard of the Navajos. I never heard of you guys before. Interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I guess, you know, it, it just it just kind of goes to show you that we do kind of just generalize that or try mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. everybody in just one mm-hmm. pot, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I, I kind of, I guess I, I kind of do that the same thing too because I'll, I'll say, you know, like the Christians, yeah. you know, specifically the Mennonites, yeah. you know, which is where we're at. And uh, what do we call this place? Studio, uh, the Peace Academy Studio. Yeah, the Peace Academy. The Peace Studio. Academy Studio, which is yeah. uh, generally his house. Um, but I, and, Living in the city in regards to that, you know, you you te- you find yourself, I guess, as a Hopi living in the urban areas, you find yourself using a lot of your energy yeah. to communicate with those, to teach them how we're different from yeah. each other. And then to talk about our ceremonies, you know, because they have questions. Like, yeah. Do you guys still do, you guys still do your <laughs> rain dances? And then yeah. you're kind of like, yeah, kind of in a way we we still do rain dances. But you're trying to explain to them. When I when I was, because um, I used to ride the bus a lot in, okay. in Phoenix. Okay. And uh, I was on the bus and this old lady, um, she gets on and and she immediately comes and sits right across from me. And she's a nice older lady, I would say maybe 60, 70 years old. And, and she's like, and she looks at me, she just stares and I just smile at her. And she's like, uh, and she's, and, and her first question was like, you know, can I touch your hair? And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. I, I know it sounds weird, but you know, I, I never met a, a, a real native man that has really long hair. And I'm like, I just want to feel. She wanted to feel native. She wanted to feel native. I was like, oh, there you go. My <laughs> uh, name is uh, Running Bear, and uh, what do you would you like, young lady? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I, I, she sat by me, and she just stroked my hair. And, and, <laughs> it was weird. Did you enjoy it? I, from an old lady, yeah. She gave me five bucks afterwards. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. So she, she just was really intrigued. She was just because she. She grew up. Um, she grew up 
you know, in a white community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so she was explaining herself. She was like, you know, I, I, we, we know about Native Americans, but we, I never seen a real Native American mm-hmm. that had long mm-hmm. hair. We, we've heard about them, but all of these other Native Americans out here, they have short hair. Yeah. And so to, to see a Native man that had long hair was kind of, uh, you know, like a treat for her. See, like, seeing a unicorn yeah, in the forest. Yeah, it was like a, seeing a unicorn in the forest. And I was like, damn. I'm so special right now. <laughs> you know what? One of the other things that I kind of had a trouble uh, adjusting to was, I guess, being called Native American yeah. or being called American Indian. Because out here on the reservation, you know, we never called ourselves that. No. We never, you know, we never uh, were taught to say that, you know, you're 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 a proud American Indian yeah. or you're a proud Native American. That's not something that was ingrained into our brains as, as kids. We were just always taught that we were Hopi. Yeah. And I think that America did such a good job of stereotyping uh, Natives, American Indians as these teepee dwelling, mm-hmm. horse riding, um, wind in their hair name uh, types of culture that I even believed that so much that when I was a kid that I didn't even know I was considered Native American. <laughs> I didn't know that I was considered American Indian yeah. because Hopis, we didn't ride horses. No. We didn't live in teepees. No. Um, we didn't speak in the weird uh, broken like, languages yeah. that they portrayed for in the old Western yeah. movies, you know, like uh, big man, the white man, we're, we're, the red skin is fine. You know, that type yeah. of... Um, vocabulary we didn't speak that way and so i think that as a kid um and fortunately you know for us that we had this real strong um grounding yeah within our traditional uh, i guess cultures religions languages that we knew that we were hopi and so to go and transfer and move to the urban areas and to constantly be called american indian or native american yeah and i think that the hot term now is indigenous to use, to use that, those types of terminologies, I think that kind of always threw me for a loop. And it was always tough to, I guess, get adjusted to it at first. Yeah. And then I think over time, I was able to get adjusted to it. Um, but then I think it kind of, it creates this dynamic to where, um, even though we were raised res, for the period of time that you live in those urban areas, that it kind of transfers you into an urban Indian. Yeah. How, how long? How long did you live in, yeah, in uh, away from the reservation? Well, let's see. I got associates for two years and then bachelors for four years, so about so total about six, seven okay. years. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. I lived in Phoenix for a to- for over 10 years. 10 years. Huh? For over 10 years. And so I think that, you know, you kind of get used to that lifestyle. Yeah. And then um, one of the things that you kind of struggle with um, living in the city is that you're more disconnected from the cultural and, happenings and it, that it, are going it, on. It was on the very, very, well, yeah, it was very, very hard for me because at times that when there was ceremonies that were going on, mm-hmm. I wanted to be there. I mm-hmm. wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to show respect. For everything. Yeah, for you everything. wanted to be there for yeah, everything. And it's like, but I'm away from school. But so and Kwa, you know, said that, you know, no, just stay away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay away. And then I think that it kind of makes you feel like this, this weekend warrior. Yeah. Where you're only coming home for the weekends. And then, you know, wh- whether it's for a dance or to help with yeah. the fields. Um, you're home for the weekend and then you're working those two days. And then after that, you're back to the city life, to the yeah. regular bump and grind. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I was thinking about is that when you're living out here full time, that you're able to put into perspective when you're doing like working at the fields, for example, that you're able to put into perspective why our religion is set up the way that it is. Because a long time ago, it was so dependent upon the field work. But then when you're in the city 
um, all the time, every day. Your focus is less in the spiritual type of who you are as a Hopi, but more of this is what I have to do to accomplish my uh, school. Yeah. And this is what I have to do to do better in the work area. And see, it was it was it was very hard for me in the first two years because you know we grew up as farmers and every Mm -hmm. year we do the planting we do the harvest and stuff and when i didn't do the planting when i didn't do the harvest it was like i'm missing something here and Mm -hmm. you you feel that heartbreak you feel that that um, emotion to say that i'm just gonna quit city life and go back to living living the res life yeah living the res life yeah but I think that one of the funny things, at least in, in my experiences, is that when you do uh, move away to the city and you're there for a very long time, and then, you know, maybe you, you get good at what it is that you're doing out there. Yeah. You know, maybe you're a good student or you're good at the occupation that you get into. Like for me, you know, I call myself the five star five diamond chef. Yeah. I, I, I gave myself a promotion because really I was only a cook. <laughs> but, you know, when I was working in the kitchen, I worked in culinary for um, over 10 years. Yeah. And I felt like that I got really good at that, um, doing that job. And it's something that I even thought about for a second to actually pursue as a real life career. Yeah. And so when you get yourself, I guess, in the mix and then you kind of adjust to city life, you adjust to um, navigating school. Yeah. You get adjusted to working with all these bunch of non-natives. It kind of does something to you. Like like I said, it kind of makes you feel like you're more urban. It makes yeah. you a city native. It, it kind of changes your, your mentality. Yeah, your mindset of how we see each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but when, but when you come back... You know, you think that, you know, oh, these little peasants around here, right? <laughs> Look at these brown people here. <laughs> you know, you're, the, these inferiors with yeah, their knees yeah. and their knees. What do they their... say, these jargons of knees? <laughs> <laughs> And, and so I, I think, you know, and um, I, I think when, you know, that happens to people, I think <laughs> that it develops this concept of uh, this squeevy native, yeah, it, or which I guess is universally known as, I you know, I called it the bougie native, <laughs> the, bougie. the bougie native. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I, I guess I can't talk crap without, you know, poking a little bit fun at myself yeah. a little bit, because, you know, last episode, we talked about the Indian car. Yeah. What are some qualifications to being considered a Queevy native or a bougie native. <laughs> First, you must wear a pea coat. You know the pea coat. The the, the you know the pea coats like the sailor coats. Okay. <laughs> what else? Uh, you must always wear uh, nice shoes that that don't no scuffs. Yeah, no scuffs or anything no like dirt. that. And you actually have to comb your hair. <laughs> you can, know what? I didn't know that this was a thing. What? But. There are some native friends that I know that take like two or three showers a day. <laughs> really? I would consider that. I, I have a story. I was like, last night I finally took my uh, weekly shower. Okay. And, um, which is understandable. Which is understandable because, you know, I'm, you know, we're not working. Who cares? I'm not seeing. <laughs> who, who am I getting dolled up for? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I was like, okay. And I, I found So's, you know, the, the, her, her soap. Okay. And it was like her okay. special soap. Her special soap. And I was like, oh, this smells so good. And it was like, it smells like lavender and roses mixed <laughs> together. And it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this thing. And so I do, you know, do the whole thing like that and just lather it up. Lathered like, up. Oh, I was feeling so energized with that rose and and uh you know, You're lavender. Ready to conquer the world. Like, oh man, it was so good. And I was like, man, God, I have to fart like crazy. And so <laughs> And so in the in the shower, I was like, I was like, I gotta fart. I was like, I have fart. I was like, 
I farted, and I was like, oh my, oh my God. And it just smelled like fart and roses and lavender all at once. This is not a good smell. This is not a good smell anymore. So when uh, Carl tries to be bougie, it backfires. <laughs> it backfires a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's a fairly good list, you know, and like I said, you know, living out in, um, in Phoenix all those years, um, towards the tail end of, of me living out there. Um, and you know, anyone that really knows me, you know, they kind of always joke about me, uh, joke to me about this type of thing, but I always, you know, I, I loved my time when I lived in Scottsdale. Oh yeah. I I lived in Scottsdale, uh, the last few years of my residency down in the Valley. And that was probably my time when I was probably the most squeeviest. And so when I think about, you know, what are some of the minimum qualifications for being a bougie native? It's like, well, we all like to eat our steaks uh, either rare to medium rare. Mm-hmm. Um, we all like IPA beers. Oh, yeah. You ask all the natives, you know, what's your favorite <laughs> beer? And it's always IPA. Yeah. It's never, uh, I, I discovered this, you know, cool lager or, you know, <laughs> this um, this other type of, uh, this porter, you know, I yeah. discovered it's always IPA. Yeah. We like IPA beers. Um, we all shop at Scottsdale Fashion Mall. You know, that, that that's a place to go to. Um but it's it's so funny because I think that that dynamic is created because I think all of us, all minority people, I think to an extent, we kind of see the the white culture, the the Bahana neighborhoods, yeah. kind of as this as this epitome yeah. of success. Because you know we all have had to a degree some experience wanting to either go off to school or to get a job so that we can do better for ourselves in that way. Because unfortunately, you know now we're you know a real focused on monetary type of society. Oh yeah. And so when we think about success, you know, it's getting these really nice jobs that with these really nice salaries that can afford us the abilities to eat these uh steaks at places like Roos Chris or Durant's down in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you, you develop you you have the money instead of buying that 30 pack of Bud Light, I'm gonna <laughs> get a you know a six pack of uh, IPA beers. Yeah. Um and so it kind of creates this, I guess, um, mentality that, you know, I was able to go out into the white man's world and play their game really well to where I got my degree, multiple degrees, or I got this job with a really nice salary. Yeah. Now I'm at Old Town Scottsdale on every Sunday, <laughs> you know, and, you know, having to iron my polo shirts just so, you know, they, they won't... Uh, they won't kick me out of the restaurant or kick me out of the yeah. bar. And so I, I think that, you know, for a lot of our relatives um, in the urban areas, you know, some of them fall into this pit, you know, I fell into it myself, but, you know, I guess to, to credit, you know, there's, I, I know a lot of folks that live out in the Phoenix area that are urban that have kind of always stuck to uh, the West side of Phoenix <laughs> or, you know, in Mesa, you yeah. know, kind of where, where most of the Mexicans live. And, and it, it go, it's going on today. It's like, you know, what we did in the past, going off the reservation to get a better education, get a better job, money, and stuff like that, and it's it's always happening. It's always happening every year. Mm-hmm. You know, you have mm-hmm. all these native kids now are going off the reservation to seek education, seek uh, better life, opportunities, yeah, employment opportunities, and it's 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 because there's nothing here on the reservation. We, the only people that we have to blame is the people that we are blame are blaming ourselves Mm -hmm. because we're Mm -hmm. not making an effort to expand our, our, uh, our reservation ourselves or our our culture like that. I thought we were making progress. We are, (laughs) we are making progress. We talk about it every year. (laughs) No, but that, that's very, that's very true. You know, and I think that I, I guess, um, 
in a way, in my opinion, I feel like that, you know, we kind of romanticize the reservation, yeah. you know, because it's our, it's our home, you know, it's our, yeah. it's our tribal lands. It's where our culture lives. It's where our language lives. It's our, where our religion lives. But unfortunately, in the terms of opportunity uh, within the Pahana way of life, within the white man's world, which we have, you know, yeah. we're at least waist deep in yeah. that, you know, we don't have those opportunities here. And so a lot of our, our, our families, our friends, they go off yeah. and, you know, try to seek those opportunities to try to, you know, at the end of the day, have, provide a better life for their kids. And so that's kind of a big reason as to why uh, we, we go off and, and then we experience these different things. Yeah, but, exactly. But I, at least I think in regards to, you know, whether you're Hopi or, or Navajo or, you know, any other tribe that we've all experienced what you experienced, um, you know, asking the black man to, to touch his <laughs> hair or, you know, having... Uh, uh, other people asking you to touch your hair yeah. or having to explain these differences, debunking stereotypes or other types of things uh, living in, in those areas. And, you know, I, I think it's definitely a, a unique experience because, mm. um, you know, you think about all the television shows that are out there. There's almost at least one show that you can find that's primarily uh, directed towards a certain culture, whether that's Asian culture, yeah. Latin culture, African-American culture, but you don't find any that are directed towards native culture. And so when you're out there, you're having to be this educator, whether you like it or not, having to talk with other people and explaining why, uh, you're still around, I guess, because a lot of them think that we're all gone. <laughs> you know, I, I've come across people that think that, you know, we're, we're, we've all been eradicated. Yeah, that's true. Well, you want to get out of here? It's about that time. I think it's about that time. Well, since this episode is uh, dedicated to our urban family, our urban relatives, you know, you stay say safe out there. A lot of craziness going on out in the world. Uh, Hopi lives matter. Black lives matter. Oh, yeah. So with that, you know, thank you. We hope that you tune in for this episode and future episodes. Qua qua. All right. I'm Carl and this is J-Man. Tune in for our next episode, which is next airing next week. Right? For, for Carl and J-Man, oh, go yeah. to college. All right. Goodbye. So long. So long.